Have you ever had one of those times where you discover something and you tell another person of your discovery and they say, oh yeah, I know. And they might say, I thought you always knew that. And all of a sudden you realize that your wonderful discovery is familiar to most people. Well, in my preparations for my sermon this week, I had a discovery. And it was only after a few days later that I thought, I wonder if everybody already knows this. So, apologies ahead of time if in my sermon this morning it sounds way too familiar. My discovery this week, an epiphany, I I believe, true to what the meaning of the word is, a revelation of God's work in the world, my discovery was that God has always been speaking to the Gentiles. I guess in my casualness, I had thought that God started speaking to the Gentiles when the wise men came and paid homage to Jesus. And so I didn't really think in the negative about the time preceding Jesus' birth, like God didn't ever speak to them. I just never thought that God did speak to them. But in my preparations for today, I remembered all of the Gentile people prior to the kings that God had spoken to. We hear them in the First Testament. Paul, the Apostle Paul, points out that Abraham, the father of the Hebrew people, was not himself a Hebrew. That hadn't been a thing yet. Abraham was not circumcised. The law had yet not been given by Moses. That was something that happened later. Those two things being two clear pieces of what it means to be a Hebrew. And so Abraham heard the voice of God to him. The invitation and the promise that, he would make, that God would make him the father of many nations. And Abraham was counted as righteous because he believed God's words to him. You think before that, there was Noah, and Noah built the ark, so obviously he was in conversation with God. And then even in Adam and Eve, those people in the creation story, whatever their names were at the very beginning, God was in relationship with God's creation. That's the point of those um, creation stories, God's intimacy with what he has created. When you skip after Moses, you still see God speaking with those that were uh, Gentiles. Um, In the story of Ruth, she was the daughter-in-law of Naomi, a Hebrew woman. But Ruth herself was a Moabite and had married Naomi's son. And when Naomi's son died and Naomi's husband died and Naomi's other son also died, Naomi said, I'm going back to my people in order to have a livelihood because there's no one to take care of me. And as you probably remember, Ruth says, I'll go with you. She's the one that said the line that's often found on wedding invitations. Wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's Ruth that was saying those words. And indeed, Ruth does marry Obed, a Hebrew man, And it is from them that the descendants go down, and you can read about it. I'm pretty sure it's in Matthew's gospel, that gets us to Jesus. So God has been speaking to the Gentiles all along. Isaiah, we heard him say it in the reading from his prophecy this morning. And in another place I read during this week where the prophet Isaiah says that God says, I will call from every nation and tribe people to me. So in this story of the kings arriving at Jesus' 
birth, well, he was probably almost two years old by the time they got there, we see another indication of God's ongoing communication with those that fall outside of his chosen people. I mean, consider that the kings had to notice the star, and they only noticed it because of what they had been reading and how they had been understanding the divine activity in the world. And when they meet up with Herod, they're telling those words of how it is that they know who this person is who's been born because of the prophet's words. And then when they go and they see the young Jesus, they kneel. And warned in a dream, they go back by another way. Warned in a dream not to go the familiar road that they came because of Herod's fury and the fear that he had. And it says all of Jerusalem was afraid with him. And that's because if the king was afraid, you were afraid. And indeed, we know that he slaughtered all boy babies under two years old in an effort to wipe out this king of the Jews. God has been in communication with his creation all along. And so in this story today, it's not a new thing that God is speaking with the Gentiles. But it might be new again to us. Matthew's gospel was written for a Jewish audience, And if you get deep into the book, you can start to see all the ways in which Matthew is speaking to his intended audience. But it got me to thinking about how God is still communicating even in this day and age. And in this season of Epiphany, how is it that we are called to notice God's action in the world? You know, having grown up in the church, I often think of the church as the initiator of God's action in the world. And maybe you do too. That it's us that do the mission work. It's us that share the good news. There is some truth to that, to be sure, but we don't have a hold on God. After 8 o'clock worship at coffee hour, someone told me of a quote that I then Googled for confirmation, fact-checking at its best, a quote that, um, of Desmond Tutu's, um, one of his recent books, called God is Not a Christian and Other Provocations. But it calls us to consider the largeness of God and that it's always God's prerogative to relate to God's creation. I have been the rector here for, I'm going on my seventh year. I'm halfway through. I came in August, and so, um, and, and I came and we celebrated my new ministry here on the Feast of the Epiphany. Maybe you remember that. It was an evening service. And part of my excitement about doing that was that I was ordained a priest on the Feast of the Epiphany. So this day holds a lot of significance for me. But I was gonna, I've been a priest here in the Diocese of Connecticut for six and a half years. And when I arrived, Bishop Ian had been the bishop here for about two years. And so I have been under his guidance ever since I arrived. And his instruction. And one of the things that he has told us time and time again is that God has a mission and God's mission has a church. That it's not the other way around. We're not the ones in charge of God's action in the world. God is acting in the world and always has been and has full prerogative to act however God wants to and use whatever means God wants to use. And as the church, the body of Christ, we are servants to that. It's been a hard thing, I'll admit, for me to get my head around 
In fact, I thought I had gotten my head around it several times when he was um, reminding us that there are mo- there's money to support this collaborative effort. As we look out into the world and see where God's at work in the world, well, how might we join forces with some of those actions that God is doing, the mission that God is already about to transform the world? So it's taken me a while to come to see the pervasiveness of God's work in the world and that we are sub- subservient to that, that we are serving God as we go out into the world. I wonder if you can join me in reflecting on that as we embark on this 2019 year and as we consider what it means to carry out our mission. We, our little tagline is belonging with purpose. Our belonging is not based on our ethnicity or on our heritage. It's not based on anything that we have done. Our belonging is based on our desire to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. Our desire to serve God by loving our neighbor. Our desire to love one another and to demonstrate what that looks like. That's our purpose. We've summed it up in our mission statement. Our embracing and living into God's commandment to love our neighbor through worship, stewardship, and service to others. Perhaps some of that seems a little obvious, what it means to love our neighbor through service to others. Maybe worship and stewardship are harder to consider. But I think that that is a holy invitation. How is it that we are engaged and are invited to participate in God's work in the world? Maybe other people have already started it, and we join forces with them. Maybe as we go out in the world, we see that there's a hole, and we want to lead the efforts to address that. This is our invitation as the church, to be the body of Christ in the world. But it's not because we thought of it, and it's not because we invented it, but it's because God loved us into it. And through revealing God's self to each of us, individually and collectively, we begin to see what God wants to do, how God wants to use us to transform the world in love. That's our invitation in this epiphany season. And I pray that you will join me in considering what it is that God's inviting us to do. What does God reveal to you as you go out into the world? With open hands, an open heart, an open mind, to see God's transforming work already at work, inviting us to come and see. Amen.